As Socrates said, to be is to do. And Plato continued, to do is to be. And so, welcome to Do Be Do with your host, Vic. As we know, life is an ever-evolving process of doing and becoming through learning, growing, and discovering the magic of you. Every fortnight, we bring on a doobie-doer to enrich ourselves through their beliefs, expertise, and perspective. Enjoy listening. Go. All right. <laughs> My name is Yazan Al-Kudmani. I'm from Emirates Biofarm. Today, uh, we're going to talk about everything to do with agriculture, the f- future of agriculture, food security, and everything in between. Um, on the show Come As You Err, uh, you can watch it on Instagram and other pages. Sorry to say other pages, I don't know what okay. Welcome to uh, Welcome to Come As You Are, thank you for listening in. And our guest today is uh, GM of Emirates Biofarm, serial food entrepreneur, as well as uh, well, king of the crop, I guess. And uh, <laughs> his family's been since the 1970s, helped uh, shape the agricultural revolution in the UAE, starting with growing wheat, I guess back in the 70s, as well as fertilizer. And I'm going to let him take, take it on from here. Thanks for coming in, Yazan. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. I'm really happy to have you in the first show, actually. Great. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, so I got two yeses from Yazan for being on the show. Then I got two no's from him. And yesterday, I got a yes one. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm very grateful you finally yeah, Thank yeah. you. Um, so, uh, how, okay, let's start with what about how long you've been here and growing up here. Because I grew up here and I saw a picture of you in a farm. And I've been to farms in you even when I was a kid. Okay. And that was, I, you know, it was in Khawnej and a few other places. Yeah, but it yeah. wasn't as big as when I saw a picture of your dad with you and your yeah, dad in the farm. Yeah. So how was it growing up over here? Uh, I was born here in um, 87, so uh, I spent my entire life here. I grew up here in agriculture, as you said, but mostly in building greenhouses, in the irrigation systems, and doing the supplies, the fertilizers, all of that. But the whole family has, has been in agriculture as a business. And we just grew up in it. I studied finance, actually. <laughs> so, finance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did you go to its finance and you could have gone? I mean, you could have studied agriculture. Yeah, you think so? I think, you know, with agriculture, I'm like currently my job is not production, right? So there are the agriculture engineers on the farm and then there's the operations and the logistics and the business development and all of that. So I do that part. So finance is relevant still. <laughs> yeah. Are you happy? Are you, still, are you happy being in finance? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're enjoying it? yeah, yeah. If I had to do it again, I'd probably go engineering. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> engineering. Why engineering? Though? Any kind of, you know, agriculture engineering, okay. civil something, something useful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> something useful. I think the most Compared useful thing at this moment in time. No uh, digging to finance food. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> food doctors, teachers. I mean. I'm not too sure about doctors, but teachers definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a natural person. Yeah. 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 Okay, so what I want to kick off with is a bit about you. Uh, how you start? How you? I mean, did you get into it? Did you want have to get into it? Truth um, be told. Truth be told, no. I I had to get into it. It with Emirates Biofarm. The story was funny. So um, I came back. I studied in Canada. I worked there a bit, and then I came back here. I did work with the family business, but in like internal auditing and in landscaping. Nothing to do with farming specifically. Uh, and then I set up my own uh, restaurant and a bakery in Dubai and I did that for a while um, in, in, in food and then I was asked to come out because of my food background to come out and look at uh, one of the parts of Emirates Biofarm that wasn't 
doing well and it's more about the marketing and the logistics and the operational aspect out. yeah and you know it went from can you come and take a look to I spent you know a week there trying to study and then a month and then I, I was you know cleaning carrots in two <laughs> months no one asked me to that's what happened is that you know I found the passion of actually being involved in the farm more than the whole management and trying to oversee and, and look at things from just, you know, in, in an office, in a finance aspect. So I ended up being in the farm on a day-to-day -day basis, staying up, you know, uh, even late. We worked like 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I did that for about six months. And then I started doing the operations. I built out the whole pack house, mm -hmm. logistics, distribution, um, business development, because Emirates Biofarm was just new. So what was revolutionary for you when you got inside? Oh, so much, of course. When, when you get into the details, there's so much, you know, in the past, especially three, four years, I've been involved in every aspect. But uh, I think the passion part, that you're not going to do a job um, that's just a job like there's purpose behind it people that you deal with are happy it's passion um it's it's a different it's a different feeling and then when you build this kind of movement and we were lucky to be in the organic um in general my family has been in environment protection so emirates biofertilizer factory does organic fertilizers as a solution to uh, you know this is history now um, you know, the country here was founded in, in 1971 and the late Sheikh Zayed wanted to uh, build out farming. He believed that farming is the keystone to civilization. And like you said, you know, mm. food is, is the cornerstone, right? Food security. So he, he developed farming through subsidies and giving farms and, and a lot of uh, policies, governmental policies that created this boom in farming okay. and Abu Dhabi and, and different areas of the UAE had huge numbers of farms and we don't have any of the support infrastructure right so the everything is imported from outside and one of those was fertilizers and when you're talking about animal fertilizers they came in untreated they came in from you know neighboring countries they came in from as far as let's say Pakistan mm -hmm. and, and and different areas and what happens is it brought with it whatever pests are in those countries so invasive species invasive wow, okay. pests and it kind of problem. caused the big problem yeah it introduced so much negative things into the UAE um, when it comes to the environment so they established Emirates biofertilizer factory where it's now the country has like poultry uh -huh. and cow and then all the manure is collected Useful. now created a fertilizer heat treated where you kill off the pathogens and then used in the country so now there's a whole circular fertilizer business so that was about wow. environment protection i didn't know i think recently when i was reading about it's by a farm about i think you'll do tours if you get onto at the farm yeah. i didn't know you'll use chicken poop at the farm <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know chicken poop was used actually even in yeah farming it's actually the best so, quality animal fertilizer is this global is it used yeah. everywhere yeah okay so since the 70s your family's been you started of course, there was a bit of beat out of what I read you'll create yes. as well. Then yeah. you Emirates, bio, Emirates uh, create bio fertilizers, yes. And now you've gone into farming as well. Yes. Now. Which is, yeah, the final step. Which is, is it the final step? I'm sure. No. no I'm sure the final ago. step of agriculture is uh, eating. <laughs> Are you getting into that as well? <laughs> now, at the farm, what do you do at the farm? Uh, 
So, what I, from what I've read, you actually have people coming to the farm as well. Yeah, tourism. You started tourism at the farm. Agri-tourism, yes. When, since when that, how did that commence and when did that commence? Um, the idea with the agritourism is not new. It's mm -hmm. something that happens abroad, let's say, with like picking strawberries or like harvest season in Canada yeah, and, and different places that we were influenced yes. with. But this is Dubai after all. Yeah. <laughs> so we have baristas in, in the farm, right? You have the coffee. You have, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, bad. you got to do it in a, in a different way. But at the same time, we couldn't take out the essence. Like if you make it too nice, this fancy restaurant and everything, um, it'll take out what people are actually visiting for. They're visiting because they want their children to touch soil, to see insects, to like, you know, have different smells and this experience. They don't want this clean because that's what they're getting everywhere else. So we try to keep it as authentic as possible. To go back to the question, how did it start? Um, we started B2C, like a website, mm -hmm. to try and sell direct to consumers. Okay. Uh, EmiratesBioFarm.com. And... Uh, to build that up, we started the Instagram page. And it was just, you know, the first photos, you can see my hand, like it's just me doing on my phone, the Instagram, right? And, <clears throat> excuse me. So all the comments, so many of the comments were, where is this? Can I come see? Like, can I come visit? Can I come? And organic farming, you have to have all these biocontrols. If you have people walking around and coming in and touching this and that, like we have controls in, in the way we, we work. Like the person that works here doesn't go there. This person wears gloves, doesn't move here. Like there's ways to control and try and protect the crops because you're not using chemical pesticides and all these things. Um, so we, we, weren't, we didn't want people coming in. Uh, and so we built a small greenhouse, a very small structure uh, to welcome guests, mm -hmm. to have like small scale events. But the idea was like once a month. Okay. Right? Just get somebody in, give them education. If you want to do, them. yeah, if you want to do a school, if you want to do something. And the first time, so I put it up, you know, designed a flyer on Canva and, and said open farm days. And that was day one. And like 150 people came. On day one? Yeah, and I was Without shocked. Marketing? No, no, no. <laughs> just, no. Out there, just, just putting up the post. Yeah. Yeah. Because the. So. How did you manage that? <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> So maybe some of the people that came that day can, yeah. But the, the idea was, is that who's going to come is the people that go and shop at, we used to do farmer's markets in Business yeah, Bay and in different yeah. areas. And these, these farmer's markets have been around before us. And we would participate in them. And we know the people that come to the farmer's market and care about organic. And I thought these are the people that are going to come. Those are the ones that are commenting, right? Mm -hmm. And I was shocked that, there's a larger number of people that yeah. are interested in this. And they, uh, so we decided to do another day. Well, there was no blocks and there was people walking all over the place and in the pack house and just, you know, oh, just exploring, making <laughs> just making themselves at home. Yeah. Um, they, so then set up the next one and like 250 people came. On, on one day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not talking about a day where there's dinner and, you know, you're just talking about a couple of hours. And it's me, basically. And, and I'm like, you? I'm the operations manager. It's a Friday. This is my day off. I'm hanging out with you guys. <laughs> the uh, 250 random people you don't know. That's yeah. good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. And it was supposed to be even a free thing and people come and get educated okay. and all of that. And then they shop. Like, that's a benefit. Okay. And then we realized, okay, there's more here. You got to put some structure to it. <laughs> you got to put some fences. 
<laughs> direct people, and that's where the tractor came Start in. Policing a bit. That's yeah, where the I tractor came tractors. in. So, cool. so yeah, cool. the idea with the tractor is that the field is, you know, half a kilometer away, yeah. and I'm walking these people. Um, half a kilometer isn't that far, but in general, it takes time, time, and yeah. So the tractor also is a cool ride for kids and for people to feel like they are part of the well, exactly. yeah they are part of the farm. So we had one tractor. I was a tour guide. Uh -huh. You get on. I welcome you. We do a one-hour tour. We get down. So then we decided, okay, this area is fenced off for visitors. They hang out here. When the tour comes, they get loaded on. They do one specific route. So you're going to one area in the farm, and that's it. Okay. There is no cross contact, and we designated this is for visitors. The rest and is hands off. They don't go. They can't enter. Uh, but you can see it. I mean, Emirates Pie Farm is very open. That's exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You can it's see the fields okay. and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not any. It's not any cleaner or tidier or anything. Yeah. It's exactly just a bit of the farm. It's a different patch, basically. That's it. The yeah, and uh, we get down and then we start harvesting with kids and and if we're planting, like the guys are planting, I'd welcome the guests come and help us. And they would plant, or if we're harvesting potatoes or something, go ahead, enjoy yourselves. And people loved it. Um, I love it, dude. Yeah, just being in a farm. I think that's when we realized that there's something missing. That the human—it's a human need—that we need to be in nature. Absolutely. It's, it's and 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 not manicured like lawns and perfect grass and perfect trees. In nature, as in using your own hands, touching ground, touching soil, removing vegetables, smelling, interacting uh, with your kids, with the land. And then the farm is not, it's surrounded by desert. It's not a, a village, a city, or a farming area. So there's no car smells. There's, it's just it's fresh natural. air. Just and you see these towering dunes all around. So, wow. And it's kind of sloped. So you see the entire farm from one vantage point. And it grew really popular. And I love the, the dads. Usually they show up on a Friday, let's say, and they look like they need a coffee. And, they, you know, they're forced because the mom wants to take the kids to this farm in Elaine. And he's like, you know, he's going to come see a farm in Elaine. And then, and then so you see them pleasant. Watching this or listening to this. They, they see them pleasant. You see them get pleasantly surprised. They get on the tour. And then when they come back, it's just the shoulders are down. The guy's happier, breathing better, smiling. It's just you're missing this as, as part of your humanity, as part of your... Absolutely. Your, yeah. So with your nature, you're yeah, meant to connect. And that's why we have the great reviews. We're, we're not even good at any of the <laughs> tours. Or <laughs> you're still mastering that. I mean, yeah, you, you make mistakes and yeah. people are forgiving because Sticks. at the end of the day, it doesn't look like we decided to do a tourism project and, and made a patch around it. Yeah. It's a farm. Like we're letting you come into an industrial farm that's doing organic agriculture on large scale and letting you be a part of it. So people fully appreciate that. And they're talking to the people that are actually behind it. Um, so they appreciated that very much. I think the authenticity goes a long way. No matter what you're trying to do, if you're authentic to yourself and your people who you're interacting with and did, did value regardless, you mess up, you do whatever, you get everything wrong, yeah. they still appreciate it being really who you are. The people that came really appreciated what we're doing and they kept coming back and they told people about us and that's how it grew. And today we receive a thousand guests a weekend. We're open seven days a week. We have a restaurant on site, farm shop, corporate team events, uh, tree planting, school trips. Wow, you've gone a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a full <laughs> okay. team now. It's it's not <laughs> just me. I don't do tours anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good news. I do them sometimes. Do you? Yeah, just for fun. What day? Tell me, so the guests can come and be there. I mean, is, yeah. is this still going on right now? 
No, we, uh, regardless of COVID or not, we would be closed because it's off season. It's uh, June. It's, okay. Yeah. It's a bit too hot. It's a bit too hot for the guests. You didn't have a shaded like uh, walk through it. We have, we have, we have the no, we didn't do that. But know, we have yeah. greenhouses and you know the restaurant, and you can sit inside, and it's beautiful in the morning and the evening. Okay. But also at the end of the day, we are food distributors, and the safety of the food, and if you're having guests coming in and interacting yeah, uh, with our staff. So in general. You're trying to, you know, we don't want to push it and have all these guests over. So we'll be open to guests again in November. In November, okay. I mean, that's COVID. I guess that's over with. And being outdoors, I think, is great, anyways. Right? I think people are gonna want to. Like, I have, I have a four-year-old myself, mm-hmm. and I want to take him out. And if I'm gonna take him to an indoor space, like you know, the traditional, let's say, Magic Planets and stuff, I'm sure they're gonna figure out a way to have the guests. But I think people are going to look for outdoor activities. Absolutely, and it's more hygienic. It's much better being outdoors anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun time anyways. Yeah, people, people, yeah, and we've got a play area. And every year we add more. There's, you know, petting, petting zoo and... You have petting zoo as well? Yeah, oh. but, but it's not a petting zoo. It's a bunch of goats. Okay. <laughs> That's what a petting zoo is, I Yeah, think. I mean, you know, because... He's giving a new name to it. I it's mean, I'm not having, you know, random... <laughs> like, it's not like non-farm animals. Okay. Like, why, why do I have a turtle? It makes no sense, right? Uh, then, um, but I mean, we want to keep it authentic. It, oh, it has yeah. to look like a farm. It has to be. And, and it has to be the organic agriculture. Organic agriculture is a, the, the space given to any animals has to be a certain size. Uh, they have to have access to outside and inside and because of all of that we try to keep it authentic and real okay no cameras on on the farm right our neighbor has the camels (laughs) so people stop and take photos with them they do do our landscaping the camels because we have this full fence of trees okay and they they make sure it doesn't get really go past yeah okay that's good so you got background covered as well A real authentic experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes people are like, yeah, we got stuck in like a camel traffic. Like there's camels walking in front of you. You got to wait your turn. It's an amazing experience for people who just come to the UAE who have never experienced camels. I think that's epic. Yeah, we used to. So we stopped. We rent them out. We stopped doing this. So the farm has this full desert and beautiful dunes around. So the tour used to end on top of a sand dune. Really? Yeah. And then it's like up to you. You want to come back with me back? Back sunset, we used to do that, yeah, and it was very popular with sunset. Man, you mastered this. this is but it's like you want to come back to our starting point. You can come back. You can walk back. Now you know the rules and everything around the farm and the way. Or just wait for me here. Next tour is in an hour. I'll pick you up, and I just leave people there. With date bubbles, a bottle of date bubbles. There's water and dates and yeah and tea, wow. and they hang out That's and they love it because the kids, you know. It's open desert. You don't have to watch them, and they absolutely love climbing up and down. And then you're looking at the farm, so this overview. Wow, uh, I should come down. This, this, this we stopped, we stopped doing that because it's like too much going on. Okay. You got to do the tours and yeah, yeah, too many it's people, a lot of people. Too many people but walk get around. Get people in there, and I think you do really well actually. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think it's an experience like this that exists. Every year we've uh, expanded. Okay. Every year. So the first year, like I said, there was one structure, one tractor. And now it's six tractors, tour guides. And then you have a nursery now where you can buy your uh, yes. fertilizers, plants, everything you need to. Because you get excited. I so people are like, okay, people are like, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm convinced. I want to go farm, right? What's next? <laughs> What's next? So on the way out, we have the full set nursery for you. You just that. buy a tomato plant. We already helped you in the initial stage so that you're ready to go. And you should partner up with these you know, there's, I think there's balcony farming, Emirates balcony farming, UAE balcony farming, and a few other sources I knew. Yeah. Laura really well. I don't know if you remember her. 
she's she's very big into urban farming. There's quite a few groups yeah. now, and I think with the current situation, it had just uh, exploded where people are way more interested about producing their own great. food at home. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in the mindset in the kids, I think is really important as well. You should you know what you're eating, where it comes from, educational-wise as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, tell me produce-wise, what yes. sort of produce do you have on at the farm? So we always say in like the brochures or whatever, it's like 65 plus items, okay, but reality is like more, way more. Okay, but why, don't you, why don't you advertise it then? Because there's a huge portion that we do for research, for fun, for uh, biodiversity, for just cr trying to find something new. So for the past three years, I've been trying like 10, 15, 20, 20 varieties of chilies every single season. And I fail and I constantly, you know, and then you find one that works. Uh -huh. So this goes into seeds. Do you want to get into the details? To the, okay, to the I want to find out what's failing in, in agriculture because that's a new concept to me. I never heard that. If you fail, how do you fail with the chili? I mean, it's not spicy enough? Um, no, it, uh, it's not uh, heat uh, resistant. It's not productive. Yield so you have wise, a you yield wise, the productivity is low. It's not disease resistant. Okay. So, so it tastes good. I mean, if you get a small bag, it could taste good, yeah. Okay. But then, what's your cost? So you have to sell it at okay, so that's eighty dirhams a kg, and then it's not viable. the chef is like, "I love this variety and I want it," and then he has a purchasing guy that's like, "Tomato organic? How much?" Like, he's not talking about variety. He's not okay, talking about yeah. flavor. This guy's selling it this much. How much is yours? Is it? Okay, then I have to grow the exact same tomato that everyone else is growing because they have identified and everyone has identified. I'm not the first one to grow tomatoes locally. Okay. So you come and you grow the same one because it's the most heat resistant, the most disease resistant, productive in this country, let's say. And those are hybrids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hybrids. So this is why I said you want to talk about seeds because it's going to go back to seeds and it's actually a rabbit hole. But I think, the, I think that's the that's the start. Right? That's where it all yeah. comes from. And there's a lot of misconception there. Okay. Go ahead. Shoot me. Okay. <laughs> Hybrids mm -hmm. are not genetically modified okay. or anything. It's, I have a variety here mm -hmm. that's very productive, but let's say it doesn't taste great. And I have a variety here that tastes amazing, but not productive. Okay. Is I, Monsanto or non-Monsanto? Is that what we're looking at? Well, Monsanto, okay. Let's say it's a seed company. So any seed company will have research and identify these two mm -hmm. types or varieties and they would come and cross-pollinate. Okay. So to produce the seeds, they would manually pollinate each one, make sure that this is pollinated from this other cultivar, not from its own. Okay. All right. And then they will produce a new seed. This new seed is called a hybrid. Mm -hmm. It's more vigorous mm -hmm. and it has, it's like a child, a human child he takes from both parents. Okay. So that's what happens there. Mm -hmm. Now, the first generation did take from both. If you interbreed the kids, mm -hmm. you have problems down yeah. the line. Uh -huh. That's the same with seeds. So when you have these a hybrid, yeah. F1, which will be the first, uh, yeah, then you try to collect seeds from it, mm -hmm. they fail. They're not as productive. They don't, they're not the same tomato. Okay. So that is the problem, is that now you need to buy the seed every single season yeah. from one company. And you can collect seeds, mm -hmm. which is how it was done in India yeah. or the Middle East or anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And when you collected seeds, you collected from the best producing ones always, so it's always improving based on your country, on your requirements, on your soil yeah. and your everything. But these seed companies came in uh, to our countries and to many countries around the world, 
here's the seeds for free. Try them. You try them. Oh, it's amazing. It's productive. It's incredible. Yes, here, take, cheaper. And then once your original seeds are gone mm -hmm. and your seed bank is destroyed, some countries had seed banks due to war, they just get destroyed. In Iraq, it had a seed bank that's hundreds of years old. Mm -hmm. Destroyed, Lebanon destroyed, Syria destroyed. So you don't have your own seeds anymore. You don't own your food mm -hmm. anymore. So this is why seeds is a touchy subject. And this is why Organic talks about, let's go back to heirloom. Heirloom is like seeds handed down and people kept them in homes. Mm -hmm. And even I can buy from the US a seed where they tell you an Iraqi gentleman saved it from Iraq, brought it with him to the US to try and save this variety. And now we're producing it for you to buy it. And it's not a hybrid. But the problem is, like I said, if I want to compete in the market, everyone else is getting 10 tons from this area. And I, need, I get five tons because I'm collecting seeds and using non-hybrids. So how can I compete if people aren't going to pay the difference? So that is where the challenge is. And that's why hybrids are most of, manif most of farming is hybrids. Okay. So then what am I doing with that extra variety that I talked about? Yeah. Continuously growing these conventional, not hybrids, like open pollinated seeds mm -hmm. that are heirlooms passed down wherever I can get them. Um, our our uh, common acquaintance, uh, Preeti Pawani, yeah. she gave me a packet of seeds mm -hmm. and says, this is from one of the people that works with us. He brought it from Nepal. Can you try it? Mm -hmm. And now I produce it and sell it to customers because it succeeded. Wow. But I failed in a hundred others. I mean, I failed as in, okay, this isn't good. What is that? A this doesn't taste good. It's a chili. It's a round chili. Okay. Nepalese round chili. And it's working great out here. I sell it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's doing well. You said if the guy next door is growing hybrids at 10 tons, per, that's the yield he's growing. Yeah, growing let's 5, say per, per hectare. Yeah. And I, I'm going 5,000. Okay. How am I going to compete? Because my productivity, my costs are the same. My productivity is half. Is he organic as well? Yeah, yeah, hybrid, you can, you can, it's fine. It's whether you go organic or not, it's subject. You can get organic hybrid seeds. Okay. So the guys that made them used organic farming methods to produce hybrid an organic seeds. hybrid. Okay. An organic hybrid. An organic hybrid. Yeah, but that is where the confusion is. People think hybrid is genetically modified and it's not organic or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, it is. It's just a way of producing it. And they didn't play with genes. This is the normal selection. This is how we created anyways okay. a lot of these That's vegetables. Okay. This is GMO or genetically modified mm -hmm. is actually illegal in the country. It doesn't matter if I'm organic or not. Nobody's growing GMOs. Okay. And GMOs in reality are very, very limited. It's just a marketing term. Everyone puts non-GMO. Okay. They can't buy GMO if they wanted to, I think. Corn is like a big one. GMO is when you go in and edit genes. Jeans. People are scared of that. I'm scared of that. Uh, well, people talk about, you know, the religious aspect, creating something. People talk about, you don't know what are the effects, the health effects, because it's nothing natural anymore. You can, uh, people are talking about, like, you use fish genes into tomatoes. Yeah, I've seen documentary yeah. on that as well. Yeah, so uh, my point of view is that if somebody comes up with this extremely productive disease, how can you compete anymore? So it's scary because you can patent them. And these... Seed, like some guy's gonna own tomatoes eventually. When was the last time you tried a different tasting banana? Not yet, but I'm sure in 10 years you probably have different colors and tastes as well. No, sure. but it's Cavendish. In 10 years it's gonna be Cavendish. Cavendish? It is one variety. It's one banana. So imagine that happens with tomatoes, but a company owns it. They will own countries. They will own you. They will own us. They, they own food. food. You will just be an employee that grows it. 
So that is why there's this huge movement into let's save seeds, let's avoid GMOs, let's not allow it uh, for the betterment. It's not about economics, mm -hmm. even if it's more productive and it's going to help. Because from their point of view, these companies, how are they pushing it? They're saying there's food hunger, populations are growing, we, we need, need to increase productivity, productivity. Yeah. we need to do this and that and that. But this is a government's job. Governments can give grants, keep it open, and don't, don't, not private companies owning our food. That is why every year we grow. I have asparagus, artichokes. Wow. Uh, Carolina Reaper has failed like two, three years. I've been trying. Really? But Trinidad Scorpion, which is the second spiciest chili in the world, is like 1.4 million Scovilles. 1.4 million. 1 and Carolina Reaper is 1.6, right? I think, yeah. yeah. I, know. I mean, as soon as you're above half a million, yeah. it's like, it doesn't matter. You're already screaming. These are, yeah, yeah these, are, these are just yeah. competition, you know, people trying to out, out, you know, find something. But, just to go above it. But when it comes to taste, uh, you're, yeah. Okay, so you, are you growing the... For me, anything above a habanero is way yeah. too much. Yeah, I don't, I think... Even if you have a Yeah, we are going through that scorpion. Are someone made a sauce out of it and it had a skull on it and like don't touch. Maybe we should do some giveaways of Trinidad Scorpion. Then <laughs> whoever can eat the lifestyle <laughs> competition yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, you sign a liability form. <laughs> I'm in. I, I tried it and oh my God. You get paramedics right next to us. I, we grow uh, Tabasco chilies now, year after year. So it's one of the successful ones. Really? And I love it. Is it's anyone very productive to make sauces and yeah make yeah it's always sold out on the website i can't make them fast enough the problem is they're this big okay. and, and the guys don't want to harvest them everyone's like wearing goggles and because it's Why burning really yeah if you're in an area with chilies and you're harvesting like it's going to be chilies in there it's like pepper spray are you going to be crying literally if you're there long enough yeah yeah you'll feel it yeah, yeah your can nose you everything yeah. yeah you you smell like you just ate some chilies like you can wow. smell that so if I'm having a chocolate bar and walking around this chili field, it's like I'm a chili chocolate with <laughs> chili in it. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So like with the, with the Tabasco, like the pricing, it's just you spend an hour and you just harvest it this much, right? Yeah. And then you go harvest the pumpkin. It's like mm -hmm. three kgs done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. But I mean, we're, we're identifying these successful new varieties mm -hmm. and then it takes so much time. First year is like, does it grow? Okay. Is it productive? Okay, second year, I found, okay, this is productive, it grows, and I think it tastes fine. Let me grow a small area yeah. and try and give it to people. That's do you guys cool. want this? Do you like it? What do you think? How much can it sell for? Is the, fin is the financials? Third year, then I'll grow it. Okay, three years passed, just to introduce one variety. Wow, yeah. but look at the viability if it's feasible for you to grow as well. Yeah, yeah but farming is a game of patience. Like, it's yeah. very slow. Three years for one variety is quite a long, long yeah. wait. Yeah. Tell me, I want to get back to, okay, so on, we didn't conclude on this topic of the... We didn't conclude on anything, yeah. yeah. yeah no, we've been all over the place so <laughs> it's, far. It's a huge topic, yeah. Uh, okay, about the seeds now, from my understanding, of course, more than what you said, but the government has to come and give subsidies, you know, has to come and support where you don't get which they do, obviously. Yeah, they do, oh, but I mean, every country that. has to, but I think more than that, what people have to do exactly what you were promoting home, you know, home farm people start understanding where their food comes from, and they understand the sustainable aspect of growing the food themselves. They will understand what I'm talking about, they will value. Uh, what, what does it mean that somebody's going out of their way and growing a local seed, the value of a the regional crop, the value seed, of the value of the crop, the not just going well, how much is tomato? In the supermarket, comparing it from one piece to another and getting it out. So yeah. I think that's one of the places where we really need to start educating people. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But you know, the tours on the farm, I don't, you know, sometimes if somebody asks me a tricky question, I go off on these tangents, but on the tours, it's all lighthearted. Okay. Like we don't, we're not scaring people and genetically modified, nothing. We don't even like, we're just, we're not even saying organic is better, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's hi, welcome to Emirates Bio Farm. So we're organic farm. So this is how we protect our crops. Cause you guys know what organic means, okay. specific, but how am I doing it when others need to? And you're talking about, okay, I'm trying to maintain biodiversity. Mm-hmm. So that if I have one crop, then one insect will thrive. All other insects that feed on that will go out. So you have a whack, you're, you're out of balance, you're out of whack. So then if you're trying to maintain the biodiversity where you have the insects, but you have the predators and you have this and that, and you have a full ecosystem, not a single one is just going out of control. Why is that? You're trying to, this is nature. So in nature, there's a balance in the ecosystem where trees are growing different uh, 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 shrubs and everything is growing. But if I remove the ecosystem, the nature, right? I cut, let's say I cut out all the trees, everything. Mm-hmm. Birds are gone, everything's gone. I don't even want birds. I have a machine that keeps them away, ultrasound. Like this is what farming does. And then it goes for kilometers corn yeah, monoculture. or tomato, yeah. monoculture, right? Completely. So that's nothing fair. is there. If I have something that's gonna attack the tomato, and it, and, it, and, it, and it finds like a good environment, just tomatoes is great for that specific insect. Everything else is not there that keeps this insect population down okay. that usually does in a regular environment where you have the birds and the predator insects and you have this full... Oh, okay, that's why permaculture, polyculture doesn't permit that. It is a green revolution. It's when industrial revolution happened and we went from hand making cars, let's say in a warehouse to production line where you make a bolt mm-hmm. so that is how our food systems became you make tomatoes yeah. nothing else scale, trying to huge and optimizing. then you can have automation with the harvesting with the packing with the distribution everything about you is optimized and that is how we bring down costs and that is how it helped humanity reach to the, the prosperous situation we're in but at the cost of the environment and earth and we just became too efficient we thrived too well and we're like a virus. So coming, yeah. going on further from this is the soil that we use for yeah. food. So, and that reflects the seed as well. So this is everyone's question. Where did you get the soil from? Like this is every, every tourist. Where did you get the soil the chicken from? Chicken poop. And I'm like, yeah, this is desert sand. This is what was here. Is what you see those desert dunes. That's exactly what's in the ground. There's nothing else. Uh, we added chicken, yeah, chicken manure. Uh, chicken poop, scientific, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. And then you have the green mulching, where whatever you harvest, uh, whatever is left over, you're kind of tilling back into the ground. You're adding compost into the ground. You're adding as much. So we have algae-based fertilizers, fish-based fertilizers. So all these organic additives that kind of introduce bacteria and introduce life back into the soil. And you're doing it very slowly by adding. So when I'm green tilling, like. A plant is made out of what mostly? It's made out of uh, carbon. Mm-hmm. This is the equation. A plant, if you have a pot and a plant grows really big, you're not topping up soil. It's not like consuming the soil Sorry. to grow. So where did it form? It's, it's taking carbon dioxide, mm-hmm. using the carbon to create the, the leaf and the growth and the stems and releasing oxygen. Mm-hmm. So it's just sucking carbon out and creating the, the, this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then when we till it back, we're adding carbon to the soil. 
and the carbon is the foundation of life and then you have the bacteria that's feeding on it and you start slowly slowly trying to build soil which is the opposite of monoculture where they find it rich mm -hmm. and then let's not add let's not do keep going corn after corn after forget the old ways of leave a third empty do this do crop rotation so that corn depletes this kind of nutrients then after it i'll grow let's say beans mm -hmm. and that'll add you know, there's some plants that add to the soil like beans take nitrogen from the air and, and add it to the soil, soil. Yeah. wow okay yeah. they're, very they're nitrogen fixers okay uh, anything in the legumes oh, um, the there's a few fixers? trees yeah okay yeah wow. so they they do use them but we moved away from a lot of these for in the purpose of efficiency and cost cutting mm -hmm. and just you know maximizing revenue okay. and soil is not a, a renewable uh, source so people assume soil like you just dig yeah it's just but what, when we talk about soil for agriculture it's topsoil mm -hmm. that's where the nutrition is and apparently in nature like it takes a thousand years to get like 10 Treatment centimeters of, of topsoil yeah and we're using it um I think there was a study where we have 50 years left. What we're doing now, Building. we have 50 years left, yeah. And that's including all the... You have arid, what's left is just arid uh, land, uh, land depleted soils. Can you use... And when it becomes depleted, <coughs> what happens is uh, it becomes a, like there's a runaway point where mm -hmm. you deplete it to a point where it destroys it completely. It stops retaining water. It the properties break right. down oh. where it, 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 it becomes really faster, where it goes into a bad situation, yeah. And that, that, and that affects yeah. everything else. And that's a great the dust ecosystem. bowl, if you've heard about in the US, that happened in the early 1900s. The what? Uh, the great dust bowl. Uh-huh, no. So it's just a lot of Arid wind land. came and arid land and sand was, it was just okay. a very because bad situation. Because the water, the water table and everything below it. Everything, yeah. Now, from the soil bit, the yeah. soil that you get over Let's here, keep it positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can try, but I guess there's so many outlets, as you said, what's happening, the government, what's happening, the seeds and everything, but at least people like you're trying to control. It's a rabbit hole in everywhere, and you know, people want the headline, the easy to digest information. And, and uh, you know, I try to, because I think this format is great, where you can talk for an hour and kind of visit these, but you need a few episodes, I think. I think there are going to be more than a few episodes, but I think I would love more to speak about the future of farming as well, but yeah. I think you have another point of view as well, like I suppose a lot of global tech companies do. Yeah. Now, coming back to the soil, but the soil that you use over here, which you said you use fish produce, the chicken, is that all locally uh, procured? Is yes, the fish wow. is from the waste from the fisheries. Mm -hmm. They produce a, a waste product that you can create a fertilizer out of. It's wow. actually very, very good for the plants. Um, the algae-based is produced uh, uh, easily. You know, okay. you just, algae is, now algae is also another in the future, like algae. It's been talked about for a long time, yeah. but people continuously are working on algae. Um, so these are it's sustainable, these are sustainable, okay. yeah. But it's not commercial yet, the algae, or not to an extent. The algae-based fertilizers, they are, but I mean the other uses, like biofuels and for the airline industry and, okay. and all these things, and animal feed, animal supplements made out of algae. Like, people are trying to look at all these uses that, that will, will take hold in the future, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very interesting stuff. No. I want to touch, actually, and actually get into later on where how people who are interested in farming to getting into the industry as well as creating their own small mini farms at home and their yes, backyards. Yes, the home gardens, yeah. yeah. What, I mean, what advice you have for them? But before that, I want to understand from you about 
what the market's like with local produce as well as the produce that's imported to the country because 90% as you said comes in from abroad yeah this is usually the headlines now, 90% of food is imported in the UAE I want to understand from you like insight from what happens from the supply chain perspective what happens from distributors like supermarkets yeah and the challenges local farms face literally because I want to understand I mean I'm completely for going local and supporting local I don't buy much veggies myself yeah, yeah. but there's a price point as well where you decide because I love watermelon and fruits and sometimes you see fruits are much more expensive locally so just understand why that happens and what can people do locally like local community can what can local community do to support yeah. local farms so i think first of all we have to just break down that the imports are coming in mm-hmm. always the assumption is of course in a huge huge percentage of that the reason is it's not available locally mm-hmm. but there are parts that where that is not true it's available locally okay. and it's actually uh, even overproduced where it's being thrown away. Like I said, due to the huge agricultural evolution, there's a lot of farms in this country. You're talking, you know, 40,000 plus, okay? In the UAE? In the UAE. 40,000 plus farms? Yeah, because at some point it's just you are born, you get a farm if you, if you ask for it. So you get a plot, it's ready, they prepare it for you. But the, are these farms active? And you get subsidized? No, okay. no. There's a huge percentage is, okay. but a lot of them are for my family, my friends. Okay, my, fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, family farms, basically. Family farms, but they go direct to market, and the economies, like the economics, don't make sense. Okay. There's many reasons for that. Okay. Um, when it comes to production, yeah. or let's say importing, a good example is tomatoes. And what we grow here, mm-hmm. in in protected agriculture and greenhouses tomatoes cucumbers capsicums okay? okay these are the main crops and then you have outdoors like eggplants and potatoes and onions these are large-scale crops that people okay. are doing here sorry just to interrupt you are these the crops that you can can grow and you can't grow other crops or are these the crops which are in demand and make sense economically both uh, they're in demand because every culture is eating tomatoes okay. and cucumbers and capsicums those are main crops and those were identified as the feasible to do in these closed structures. Okay. Uh, and the economic. And these are these are the main, you know. Okay. But if you want to talk about main, main like the, the food basket, yeah. there's wheat and rice. Yeah. That is the bigger chunk, right? Uh, and corn, which goes into animal feed and a lot of manufacturing. No, these things we do not grow locally, and animal feed. Those are water depleting. Um, not sustainable. Not sustainable, and the yeah. government took an initiative to stop it, to okay. stop the, especially the animal feed, okay, because it goes to feeding camels, and yeah. you know, not a very productive industry mm-hmm. uh, currently. So to stay on track, um, the the <laughs> tomatoes I think is a good example, okay, because because of all these farms, we have a huge capacity to produce tomatoes, and like any country in the world, there's seasonality, okay. right? So in season let's say the, the December, you know, uh, November, December, Jan, Feb, March, April, the good months. Okay. And that extends to May, June. That's okay. the season for tomatoes. That's the season for tomatoes. Here. Okay. And can grow a bit, in, like up to June, let's say. Okay. All right. So these tomatoes, mm-hmm. we produce the amount of waste, I would say, in the country, I would say is half. It's it thrown half. away, half. Half the... Tomatoes produced in the UAE. But I don't want to get quoted. This is not scientific at all. This is just uh, a ballpark. This is ballpark. Like if you ask me. So what happened is initially Mm -hmm. when you give all these people farms and you want them to farm, but there was no demand or the 
So the government, the government guaranteed the purchase. So people, whatever they would grow, the government would buy. Okay. And then, you know, if it doesn't go to market, then it gets dumped or, or tried to use it in any other way. That was before. Okay. But that grew this industry and grew all this investment. And, mm -hmm. and then now they're on, they, they have to sell. And there are like farmer cooperatives which gives them a price and all these things. Okay. Uh, but the price points are still like based on the subsidies of 10 years and 20 years ago. Where so it's your legal cost then? But you don't have the subsidies anymore. Oh, you don't have the subsidies anymore? A lot of the subsidies aren't there. So okay. the viability has been very bad. Mm -hmm. So you have overproduction. The selling price doesn't, doesn't sustain. And you're throwing it away. And the consumer, at the end of the day, doesn't know any of this. Because on the, on the supermarket level, you're going to have a UAE section. You're going to have many other countries, Spain, whatever it is, France, yeah, Lebanon, yeah. Jordan, mm -hmm. uh, Oman, whatever it is, they're going to stay there. The supermarket and the consumer, because of our lifestyle, because of, uh, you know, you want convenience and you want variety. Correct. So they're going to offer this variety. It doesn't matter how much I grow tomatoes in my season. If, you, if you're saying a, a, so, a huge percentage of tomatoes is going to the dump, so what if the why won't supermarkets give it a lower price, make it more competitive, and let the consumer get it instead of throwing it away? Because the food waste is, I mean, it's a global issue now. So like I said, already the farmer isn't getting a good price. Okay, yeah. And the supermarket has no incentive to, doesn't, if this, the supermarket doesn't, if you're throwing it away, how does that negatively affect the supermarket? Supermarket can, it's to them, you're a, you're a supplier. Yeah. Your price is this much? I can sell it at this much. This is because local is supposed to be cheap and the subsidies, this is local's ceiling. Eight dirhams a kg, let's say. Six dirhams a kg, four dirhams, whatever it is. Okay. This is how much I can sell it for. But if I import, costs me 10, I can sell it at 40. I can sell it at 50, at 60, because it says... And the demand is there. The demand is there. You, so you think majority of the people would not buy a kilo of tomatoes of six dirhams, they'd rather buy for 10 dirhams or 15 dirhams because it's imported? Not majority of people, but, but to be honest, okay, also, there is a quality difference. There is a quality difference. Yeah, if you lump everybody together. Don't we lose nutrients on the way? I mean, if it's yeah. been imported and yeah. not, so what... Yeah, the nutritional, the, the carbon footprint is humongous. Absolutely. The, the nutritional quality is, is terrible. So uh, isn't a local produce, which is maybe... A and this is what the movement, this is what the movement is about now. Buy local. Educating. And this is what the government's trying. You know, the government here doesn't want to look at subsidies. And of, of course, they do where it's necessary. Mm -hmm. But the way they want to manage things is to support you in a business aspect. Okay, you need more demand. So then they're doing all these education, education uh, routes. They're, they're negotiating on our behalf with the supermarkets that you need to support local. You, need, they, they, you know, they do SME designations, let's say farmers get preferential treatments, mm -hmm. let's assume, put more on your shelf. Like they push from that aspect and we have seen, we have seen a shift. A difference? Yeah. One, is there no way to incentivize supermarkets to keep a large shelf for UAE pro products and and price it differently as well. Now this is the announcement that was made by the government. Recently? Uh, yeah, especially in Abu Dhabi. Okay. That we are going to ask the supermarkets that they have to have this much space of their fruit and veg for local. 
So, Justan San, you have a website as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So if people come to you directly, yes. as opposed to going to the supermarket, yeah. it's much cost-effective for the consumer? Uh, it's it's on difficult, par. yeah, on par. Okay, it's on par. It's, a, it's because it's a, uh, it's a, how, how can I say this? It's a, the service, yeah. it's a high-quality service. You're ordering from a farm to harvest for you, put it's it in a box, deliver it to your right? home. Okay, so it's a premium service. Okay. Whereas if I, or if I deliver to a care for, I'm it's delivering. A and they they, they do everything themselves to their old stores, and you come and meet them at the stores. If you want the best price, come and meet me at the farm. Like you have to meet me halfway. Okay. So if a consumer decides to get much better quality product at a better price point, you go to the farm. farm. How no, far is the farm from here? The farm is 45 minutes from downtown. For downtown Dubai, yeah. on the Vida Lane, right? Yeah. Shweb, Al Shweb. Al Shweb, exit okay. 55. Exit yeah. 55. Yeah. Okay. So in November we'll open up again. We have a farm shop. We mm -hmm. have a restaurant. So people come. You know, people made it a habit where, like, ladies, like lady groups will come meet for breakfast because we produce our own eggs, our own vegetables, and we we have a Thank restaurant. Yourself. Yeah, we have wow. a restaurant that's fully vegetarian. Wow. So they come. They they tell the guys what they want packed. They go have their coffee, their morning coffee or breakfast, and then their order is done. They pick it up, drive back. It's like a weekly, weekly uh, ritual. It's a daily occurrence? Like you have, is, is your coffee shop open every yeah, day? Yeah, every yeah, yeah, we're open every day from, uh, from 8 a.m. till sunset. Yeah. Why didn't you stretch the coffee shop to somewhere closer to downtown? <laughs> <laughs> like keep moving closer. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just pick it up. <laughs> you move it. <laughs> yeah. That would, I mean, I think you do really well, especially in a place like Courtyard or Carlson, where you have exactly from farm to table. Yeah, there's many reasons. So farming, as you said in the beginning, mm -hmm. Al Khawanij has farming. Exactly. Um, but traditionally, farming in the UAE, especially when we talk about tomatoes, cucumbers, mm -hmm. it, it, it does happen in, in Dubai and the coastal areas, but okay. it's mostly concentrated inland uh, towards Abu Dhabi, Elaine. And yeah. the reason is when you're away, like, there are days here where it's 90% humidity, 100% humidity, that affects. It affects yeah. the cooling of the plants. Okay. The plants use like, you know, evaporative cooling, transpiration. Uh -huh. And that takes the heat away. Okay. Like if you're sweating and you have a fan, yeah. you will feel cold. Correct. Yeah. But if you're sweating and it's humid, that's why humidity makes us feel hot. Because the, the water, your sweat doesn't evaporate. Okay. And that's the same with the plants. So it's better to farm inland. Um, also the water sources, mm -hmm. uh, less salt. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you have uh, sweet soil, which is the red sand. Inland. Inland. It's more sweet. You, you can notice, like while you're driving away from the coast, where you have more salinity. Okay. And then, so yeah, and then you drive sea. calcium, and then you drive all the way in, and it's more red. In the mountains, of course. Yeah. More it's more sand, and red this sand, sand is, is easy to drain, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have uh, salinity issues. Yeah. Okay. Even here, when you have landscape projects, like sweet sand or desert sand is brought in. Always. And I think that's, that's in every country then again. Um, if you have a situation with where it's an inhospitable growing environment. Water. I mean, yeah, Dubai is special. Okay. Because, you know, the landscaping, like you want any kind of tree you want, you want any yeah. grass, yeah. But if you go to Las Vegas, let's say desert or the south of Spain, mm -hmm. then they act like they are in the desert where it's cactus and... Okay. You know, desert climate crops that grow in that soil, and okay, which is now the movement. It's been around, okay. but now there's a huge movement of growing gaff trees, let's say with gumbok and gumbok, exactly. yeah, Tatiana. Uh, yeah, Tatiana, and, and you have uh, um, 
companies for good and a few others that support like growing gaff trees and yeah. they work with us and other indigenous do you grow gaff trees as well on yeah. the platform? On yeah. The yeah okay coming back as we keep going around <laughs> the place coming back to the producer and so what would you want consumers to do right now in terms of i mean of course buy lo local buy products, local yeah. but more than that what what do you just understand what are the benefits of buying local produce as opposed to buying imported produce what are the what is the consumer really in terms of nutrients in terms of uh, carbon footprint the water that they've lost sustainability yeah. the so there, there there are three things okay um health let's mm -hmm. say uh, environment mm -hmm. and food security when it comes to health mm -hmm. as you said nutritional value as the crop the the longer it is from harvest the less nutritional value it has and to be honest a lot of the stuff on the shelves is at least two weeks to a month old okay. in, in a lot of times where it gets harvested not ripe green and then ripened when it arrives and then put on the shelf and uh, you know i'm not against uh, some of these practices because it like it's always like now we ask a question why is this chemical in my food why is that yeah. or why it's to solve a problem. It's okay. always to solve a problem, most of the time. Mm. And because of these things, it improved. Like people get super upset that bananas are in, in a plastic bag, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And this is very controversial. It's like bananas already packaged. Exactly, the peel. Yeah, the peel. Mm. So, but if somebody did a study and said, when we package it this way, we reduce waste by 20%, and you multiply 20% by the millions of tons mm. around the world, mm -hmm. And you come up with a number where okay you're you're you didn't use more water or land or blah 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 but you produce more bananas which reach the customer instead of getting thrown away mm -hmm. do you use the plastic or not so these questions are difficult it's not a very straightforward obviously the people behind these things don't want to wrap it in plastic for no reason absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah uh, when it comes to organic is wrapped in plastic because of the contamination mm -hmm. so it's part of the certification that i have to guarantee that it's contaminant free to your home okay if i give it loose mm -hmm. and the supermarket has all these other vegetables and all these other and puts it on the same yeah the cross contamination issue okay. it's the same as like uh, lactose and uh, i mean uh, with the nut seeds or cooking nuts yeah allergies uh, so back to okay back to the back to the product you think <laughs> uh, in the supermarket now <laughs> you you, you said when they when they pick the fruits or pick the capsicum and pick it up raw and put it and let it ripen at the supermarket itself yeah how does that impact the vet? I don't know, the yeah, so we were talking about the health, the nutritional yeah. value. There are numbers you can look up where how much nutritional uh, value is lost. Because at the end of the day, we're not eating, like this is what's happening around the world, mm -hmm. um, that we are eating less nutritious food. Okay. So the same amount of calories, less nutrition, so you're getting deficiencies in a lot of things. Okay. And that's a problem. The other thing is the environment mm -hmm. um, that we talked about, which is the carbon uh, footprint. Okay. Imagine a farm in any country, in country A, uh, he harvests and sends it to uh, a distributor. Mm -hmm. He receives from a whole bunch of farms, so that went by truck. He received it. Now he wants to export. He sends it by truck to, uh, you know, shipping or airplane. That gets on. It doesn't, it goes to a trader here. That trader is in Al Awir, let's say. He brings it by truck to his location and then he distributes to supermarkets mm -hmm. and then supermarkets receive it on their shelves and then there's it and all the cold store throughout the whole process including later. including the whole shelf space and then you drive and pick it up now imagine ordering on my website 
I picked a tomato, I put it in a box, and then it went to your house. In a van. The magic of 20 Imagine the carbon footprint. <laughs> to be honest, I think if someone comes and eats a meal at my restaurant, I'm going to start making the argument that it's carbon negative. I, I guess if you have enough green on your, on your land, you're sequestering carbon at the end of the day. Yeah. First of all, the so plant <laughs> is sequestering carbon. I'm adding it as much as possible back into the Absolutely. soil. And then you're, I'm taking it and cooking it like it didn't travel anywhere. Yeah, and then you consumed it right there. Wow. Um, I think that's farm to table, right? That's what you're, that's what you're promoting. <laughs> it's been so abused. <laughs> I mean, you just see farm to table and, and the guy is a, is a supermarket or, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get your, con so. I, don't, I think you're confused about the whole farm to table thing. Exactly. That is, so it's called the farmer's table. Okay. The restaurant's called the farmer's table. The, the one you have, yeah. but that's epic. Yeah, okay. it's the farmer's but table. You've got, it's a, you've got to bring this down. We don't have a real menu. It's I mean, like <laughs> you come and you're like, oh, pumpkin uh, appetizer, pumpkin in the salad, pumpkin main course, this pumpkin dessert. Like, what's going on? Well, I harvested pumpkins. Like this. You came this pumpkin is, ice cream. Is that right? I saw this. We've done like we've done egg, eggplant like tart, like a dessert. Uh -huh. And people are like, what is? This? What is? It? I'm like, I have eggplants. Like, deal with it. <laughs> It's not going to the dump. There's no food. It's, yeah, there, no, no. As as one of my colleagues, Dima, who's in uh, events and marketing uh -huh. and is behind a lot of the yes. things I talked about with the tourism. Yeah, she said no vegetable left behind. And that concludes our first episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We were supposed to speak for an hour, but we went on for two hours as there was so much to cover. So we decided to split the show into two episodes. In the next episode, we'll continue with the benefits of buying local, food security, sustainable farming, future of agriculture, vertical farming, and how you can win a fresh box of veggies from Emirates Biofarm delivered to your doorstep. Stay tuned for the next episode. Happy Mondays!